it was everything from like what I was wearing to how I was talking to deliberately just being like very just outright rude and very inappropriate and very dismissive and and chauvinist. I mean, you name it, right? And I was like, what do you have a problem with me? You are listening to the podcast from now to next, the podcast that empowers women to get seen, get heard, and get promoted. I'm your host, Erica Rooney, and together with Cynthia Vatikino, we will walk through some sticky floors. You know, those limiting beliefs that keep you stuck and how you can bust through the glass ceiling. Cynthia, what a last name. Did I get it right? Yes, thank you. God, it's Italian, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Can't mistake it. Can't mistake it. So yes. awesome to have you here. Thank you. I know I'm really excited to be here. Um, this is a really important topics. I think that, you know, we are connecting about and reaching out to just so many women and and support systems. So I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So you have an interesting story from corporate to being a business owner and back to corporate again. Tell me about this journey. Yeah. So I I can probably go a little bit from the beginning. So I actually went to school as an engineer and I specialized in medical device. So my whole corporate career has been in medical device. And uh, from engineering, I moved into marketing because I wanted to be more engaged with customers and kind of more on the forefront. I worked for quite a while in an orthopedic company. So we did spine implants, total knees, et cetera, and had a great career within that and had a lot of different opportunities in that company. I would say that starting as my career as an engineer and then also within orthopedics, there were many times that I was the only woman in the room for quite a long time. (laughs) I would say that it was... um, quite challenging at times. Sometimes it feels a little lonely or you don't really know who, you don't have a lot of kind of people that you could talk to about kind of different things that you were experiencing. Or I remember even one time, like the dress code, they were like, oh, you have to wear, I don't know, business casual. I'm like, well, what does that mean for me? And my boss was like, oh, you just know, you just, just know. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm asking. <laughs> no, I'm asking you. Right? Um, and so just like small things, even at that level, it was, you know, how do you act? And um, and I had some very uncomfortable, difficult situations that happened that I really, at that time, you know, this is going back in, you know, early 2000s, I'm dating myself, but early 2000s and there wasn't as much kind of support, I would say, and a lot of people talking about their experiences in, in work. And, you know, I can give you a good, good example of, um, you know, uh, of being bullied. I had this one person that I worked with and he would just not include me in like my own projects. He would talk over me. He would like, you know, deliberately make rude comments to me. Um, and it was very uncomfortable. And it got to a point where I asked one of my colleagues to be in meetings with me 
um, with him because I needed somebody else kind of there to be like almost like a mediator at times. It was everything from like what I was wearing to how I was talking to deliberately just being like very just outright rude and very inappropriate and very dismissive and and chauvinist. I mean, you name it, right? And I was like, what do you have a problem with me? And, and I went, I even had a meeting with my boss to have like a mediation session with him to be like, you know, what am I doing? Like, how can we work better together? You know, taking a very proactive approach and nothing changed. And Finally, it got to a point where I was so feeling like so sick every time I would have to go into work. So after mediation, kind of getting no more support, I had tons of documentation and other colleagues that I had come in with me into meetings, you know, to to kind of state my case. And I went to HR and then nothing changed. And I was told that I exasperated the problem by going to HR. So then I really felt alone and looking and then at the about a week or so later, I remember my boss being like, you know, maybe engineering just really isn't for you and you should think about some other type of career paths. And, you know, unfortunately, this company is a little too small for you to to explore those. And so we're going to give you six months or six weeks that you could still work here, transition your projects, but you can like feel free to go on interviews and and look for other jobs. And will also give you your unemployment, like severance. And I, and looking back, like at the time, I was like, okay, like, yeah, I could see you, right? Like, this really isn't a good environment for me. Like, I kind of went along with it. And now looking back with everything that's transpired and me getting more mature and, and talking with other people, like I was clearly being pushed out because they knew what they did was wrong and they didn't know how to handle it, right? The word now is gaslighting. Yeah, right. Like you are exasperating the issue. You don't belong in this company. You, you, you. And and like, I mean, it played out like a typical gaslighting. You're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, and you know, and I trusted my boss. So then I went into marketing, and I the environment was so much better. It's such a better position for me. Then now I'm in orthopedics again. I'm in a boys' club. Then. And a lot of times, um, again, you're the only woman in the room. And I would say that majority of the time, like it was great. It was definitely a work hard, play hard kind of environment. I developed some really great relationships. So that was really great. But I, I also remember another time, another good example of some different challenges. Part of my job was going and working with a number of surgeons and training them and working on new products and new product development and attending surgeries to be a clinical support. So that is a big part of my role. And uh, one visit, I was uh, told the surgeon, I was like, you know, I have to take the red eye. We can go to dinner, but I have a red eye flight. I have to be on it and I can't switch it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's okay. And so we were at dinner and he kept trying to convince me like not to go. And I was like, no, I really have to go. And so I left. And as, as soon as I was in the airport, like on the plane, I emailed my boss just to give him an update. Like, hey, this is what happened. This is how we handled it. Just within like, the, the couple of days that I was there. Oh, and by the way, 
he kept asking me to stay, but I told him I had to get on the red eye flight. I literally get off the plane. I walk into my office and my boss calls me in his office. He's like, so what happened out there? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I emailed you. Here's all the things that happened. And he's like, well, I got an, uh, a call this morning from the surgeon being like saying how I was like incompetent and how I, you know, couldn't handle things appropriately and, and all of it. And I was like, what is he talking about? I thought everything went smooth. Like, yes, we had some discussions and it was fine in the end and everyone was pleased and happy. I was like, the only thing I can think of is that I told him I couldn't stay. And he was just like, and he's like, oh, okay, I'll look into it. I was just like so nervous. I'm like, great. Now I'm either going to be off the project and I could lose my job. Like it was yeah. awful. And so um, luckily I told like a couple of trusted colleagues what happened. And they called my boss immediately and like totally vouched for me, which just like, this guy is off. Like Cindy handled everything great, like, et cetera. Like clearly she's like doing a great job on so many other levels. But, and then after that, I basically told my boss, I was like, I'm not going to be alone with him again. And I was like, yeah. you need to ensure that that won't happen. It's just like those types of things, right? That happen that I think today would never fly. So kind of coming from that, like growing up in those different types of environments and then, and kind of overcoming a lot of that and, and feeling like you have to be on your game all the time to prove yourself because you don't want any of any kind of misinterpretations or not just misinterpreting your, your, your efforts, but then you have to kind of prove that you are really good at your job, right? That you can't have any kind of missteps, I would say. I left because I was starting to get burned out in that environment. I was teaching Pilates and yoga on the side because I found kind of a refuge in those environments. You know, it was very supportive and open and what drew me to it, it was one area of my life that I didn't have to prove myself, right? It, I didn't have to perform. I didn't have to be the best. I didn't have to be perfect at it. And yoga is very like meeting you where you're at. Yeah. Comparisons, like just be in the moment, like all about yeah. you. Yeah. And, and it was like, I just remember being in class one day and someone being like, you know, if you just feel you need to sit here, just sit here. It's starting to really teach me about trusting in my instincts and trusting in my body and trusting in what I needed at that exact moment, not what I felt I should be doing or I should want or I should, you know, like all the shoulds kind of started yes. going away. and. And it is really true, you know, and I was very fortunate. I had amazing teachers that it was really true that like what you practice on the mat does weave into everything else in your life. It really kind of opened my eyes to give myself permission to just be, right? And just be in that moment and to accept what was going on or to let things just settle and process and to start really tapping into my instincts and moving through 
fear, I would say was a is a big lesson. I used to teach yoga when I worked for Verizon and I'm a huge, huge like fitness fan. I need to incorporate more yoga in my life. Yeah, but how did you make this transition or make the decision to leave? I mean, it was a stressful job, right? But like it was a job, Mm -hmm. it was a corporate golden handcuffs. How did you make the decision to leave and start your own business? Yeah. So at the time I got divorced, I was at a critical pathway or critical crossroads that I was like, this is something that I've been thinking about. I've been dreaming of my mom um, and my brother have their own business, like individually. They started this uh, small Pilates studio together because my mom was a fitness director for a long time and she was starting to get her own clients. And she herself was also like, I can do this on my own. And so my mom had the small studio and it just was timing. I mean, some of it's luck and timing, right? And some of it is, um, you know, being willing and I, the right place. I was in the right moment to take a risk. You know, I had some money saved. I was divorced. I had no other responsibilities except myself. And she also was at a crossroads where either she needed to grow the studio or she was going to just remain small. And I was already teaching, right? I was teaching on the side as well. So I was kind of half, like one foot in, one foot out, right? At already. And so I was like, you know what? I just went through this horrible divorce. I am not happy in my job. But let me just try it for a couple of years. You know, I'm going to help her out. She's helping me. It was like a win-win situation. And I said, okay, let's do it. And my plan was only to do it for like a couple of years to kind of get my feet back on the ground, kind of recover from like an emotional, traumatic situation. And and I joined and I remember like walking in and just being like, oh my God, <laughs> because I went from like very structured, like corporate, where you call IT and they come and fix your computer. And you did this for six years, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah. you, I mean, this is a lot. This is a lot of growth, right? Always. So yeah. I hear you talk, you know, we talked about kind of like the first stage in corporate where it's yeah. your orthopedic male dominated. We've got, I mean, I have no other words except for just bizarre things happening. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like bizarre things happening that to me, I'm like, this absolutely makes sense why she got out and got into yeah. her own business doing yoga and Pilates, right? And I hear you talking about this and just so I can tell you loved it, right? And you probably loved you. What? I mean, we're back in corporate now. What happened? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We were at, again, another crossroads, right? We built the business. uh, We relocated, kind of restructured. um, And, you know, what what did we want to do with this? the studio now, right? And the, the big question was at the crossroads, do we go bigger or do we go smaller? Because where we were, like it was just not, we were just kind of flat. And it was like, well, what are we, what are we doing here? Right. And so we decided to go smaller. And we did that because, you know, I had a child and um to go smaller was actually a better choice to do that because it was more manageable. We were reacting to kind of where our niche is in the competitive environment, you know, personal, I think we are not alone in that. And I, I'm not 
claiming victim or at all, like every, but the whole world, right? Came to a stop and came to a collapse. And but it and, still uh, impacted people differently. You know? Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. I think that's people feel this, right? Like, so many people went through so many changes that, like, it really makes, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, we were lucky that we quickly shifted to online training and our clients, you know, were, were, were open to that because they also felt like they needed something and it, they knew us. And so it was kind of nice to see a friend, right? When you couldn't see anybody. And, um, and especially clients we've had for like 10 years at that point, and they were used to coming to you once, twice a week. And now all of a sudden, nothing and like a lot of time, like you're a staple in their life. And so being able to retain those connections. But at that time, I was like, I just don't know how. I, I just was like, I have to make a choice. And I had to make a decision in terms of what I was doing. You know, I was already out of corporate for six years. If I waited much longer, it would be that much harder to go back if I needed to. And I gave myself six months, six to eight months. And if I don't, then I will continue doing what I'm doing with the studio. But if I do, then, you know, I'm going back down into the corporate direction. You yeah. know, like there's no, it's not all roses. Like it's, it, it sounded like such an easy decision for you to leave this male dominated gaslighting environment to open your own studio. But then again, you found yourself at this crossroads and no decision is the right decision. No decision is the wrong decision. It's just a hard decision. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to make the best decision with the information that you have at the time. And a little bit of foresight as to what that decision is going to impact, what it's going to change, and, and evaluating the consequences of that decision. And consequences doesn't necessarily mean bad things, right? Consequences right. just, well, what happens after we make this decision? And being able and being okay with, okay, pros and cons in both, right? I mean, that's part of life. And I think that's part of always growing up and and ha- being forced to to have to make those decisions, right? And we look back and like, do I have certain regrets? Of course. Absolutely. But but at the same time, it's like, well, I had to make the right decisions for the right time. Well, I think such a, a big thing that we all need to remember is that we're all going to have these hard decisions, right? And we should trust our instincts. And if you so happen to be wrong and the bottom falls out again or you find yourself in another environment that doesn't work for you, there's always another decision to come after that, right? right. Like, you are always going to be the one driving the bus question that I ask all my guests Mm -hmm. is, imagine if you were talking to the Cynthia from 2005, you're Mm -hmm. working your way up, you're in these male-dominated industries, you're all the things. What would you tell her today? I would say um, to try and go after the big dreams and to not be afraid of what they are and to dream big and to really explore explore them and try them. Cynthia, if somebody wanted to connect with you, because I'm sure this story resonates with so many, where can they find you? LinkedIn is probably the best. It was so awesome to hear your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so great to chat with you. Thank you.